And away we go. Here on Yes Shift, episode 50, as we review Oliver Wakeman's box set collaborations. I'm Dan Schinder. And we're kind of rocking out. Yeah, this is Credit Carnival right here. Uh, but yeah, we've had this box set for a couple months now. I think we even God, really it's been that long. Yeah, yeah, we even it came out in April and we interviewed Oliver back in late March. So it's been like three months now. Wow. But That's yeah. crazy. And by the way, we're going to show more of that clip. It's great. We wanted to use that as our intro, but um, we're both really excited about reviewing this. We were excited when it was coming out. We were excited to receive it, and I listened to it for the first uh, time on a vacation I took about a month ago with my wife. Perfect setting, driving out in the middle of nowhere. My dog just walked in, a puppy. He may bark and stop. So I may need to jump up and put him out. Stop. Go find Sage. But yeah, but, it's what's funny is um, when I was re-listening to it, listening to it really does make me feel like I'm on a vacation or on holiday or something. It's just that type of relaxing music to me. Not just that, but it's there's a lot of music there. It's a three CD box set. It's not all the same stuff. You've got Oliver with the, he discovered this great guitar player named Steve Howe that they collaborate with. And then there's uh, two things with Gordon Giltrap. One is uh, from a stage, the other studio. And the one called From a Stage is called From a Stage because it's live. Was that Oliver's uh, word play on his own other title, From a Page, Steve? We didn't yeah. ask him that, did we? I... I don't remember if we asked him, but I, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, it's a play on like from a page. So like from a stage, it's like there's no way that's not a coincidence. It's his sense of humor at work there. And it's I dig it. So like we have, like you said, Steve Howe with um, he and Oliver did this album called The Three Ages of Magic, which came out July 3rd, 2001. And the Gordon Giltrap studio album, Ravens and Lullabies, came out March 4th, 2013. Uh, wow, on Chris Squire's birthday that year, I guess. Yeah. Um, and From a Stage is previously unreleased and recorded live in 2012 and 2013 when uh, he, Wakeman and Giltrap toured together. So uh, I guess we could go through these... Um, Chronologically, there there are so many tracks, so we might not mention all of them just for the sake of, you know, don't want to halt the momentum, but we'll talk about like what stood out to us and whatnot. But first off, uh, do you want to go over what we think of the packaging first? Yes. Yeah, let, let's unpack it. Um, I've got mine right here. And one of the things that is really brilliant about this is I'm a big complainer of <laughs> oh, Stephen said you could just put a period at the end of that but no I'm not done I'm a big complainer of the fact that when we went from vinyl LPs to CDs the whole world of album art was affected because of the the shrinkage uh, not like George Costanza in the I pool. was in the pool <laughs> <laughs> a different shrinkage but yet this was done not for vinyl it was done for this, knowing it would be this size, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and we'll show the artwork larger on screen as well. And on the back, you've got your covers of each of those. You open it up, and there's lots of goodies in here. So, for instance, there's three items for each album. First, yeah, you've got... It's like, I got to be careful whenever I open it, is that it doesn't all fall out. It's yeah. It's like, you know... <laughs> The the first is the album sleeve, and, and all of mine are still in my truck since we went on that vacation a month and a half ago, whenever it was. So you got the sleeve. Then you got the booklet for each one, which is nice and robust, has liner notes, pictures, lyrics, stories about the album. Yeah, it's, and about what certain songs mean uh, in yeah. the case of the From a Stage performances. And the track list, you can see the whole artwork there. Um, and then 
I guess like a collector card of the art with no text on it or anything. Right. Smells like Oliver Wakeman. Scratch and snuff. Um, <laughs> so we've got that for, for each of the items in there, which I think is great. And and just the glossy finish. I, I happen to love it. Steve, what, what's your take on it? Is there anything missing? Anything overkill? Is it uh, the, just the right porridge for you? What's the deal? I think it's done very well. I mean, just right down to the artwork, you know, you got... I assume that they had Oliver stand in a field of snow with his outfit, with his piano out on the snow, and the raven on there had to have him stand still so that they could paint him. No, I'm kidding. That's probably not how <laughs> I'm looking at it going, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, but no, like these are all, this is a great, uh, I think beforehand I was thinking it would be more rectangular, like a Blu-ray type of thing, which silly me, like, of course it would be like this, like all square because of the sleeves and whatnot. And uh, I like that we still get the original artwork for uh, each of these, the yeah. Three Ages of Magic and Ravens of Lullabies. And we also get, uh, I really love this artwork for From a Stage. It's got like the... I assume that's a raven, but it's very stylized. And the way that this artwork looks, it reminds me of another illustrator that I've mentioned on the show before who did something that was very Roger Dean influenced. Um, these Tom Roberts illustrations over on Instagram, like his stuff is uh, kind of like this brownish goldish uh, type of style but for this artwork uh this was done by natalia maroz um i hope i pronounced that correctly and i, I dig it it's like very much um captures of like i just love the overall vibe of how it looks so yeah the packaging is really great the only thing for me is that you know i know cursive and can read it but whenever in the Ravens and Lullabies uh, booklet, the lyrics look like they're slightly, like they're very curly and stuff. So it kind of makes it a little bit difficult for me to read certain things. Oh, goodness. But and even with, <laughs> literally with this, I've got my reading glasses on and I've got this. And it is difficult to read. I mean, I could see it like this, but, but like this, I can't read it. Right. But I, I do love how... For Three Ages of Magic, he goes over the story of how he ended up working with Steve Howe. You guys uh, got to check this Steve Howe character out. He's great. Yeah, it was in the late 90s. Uh, they started um, talking ideas like in 97, I believe. So around the time of Keys 2 and Open Your Eyes. And then Steve got busy and then they met again around the time of The Ladder in 1999. So how old would Oliver have been then? He would have been, um, so he was born in 72. So I was going to say he's like his, 10 years younger than I am. So yeah, he would have been in his late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a really fun story. Like he even mentions how he accidentally left a tape with mixes at home when he was supposed to like bring it to Steve Howe and uh, how he was like really nervous and like, who wouldn't be with Steve Howe being you know the maestro yeah like he wants things done like but steve was pretty chill about it and they just like uh worked on the forgotten king i believe it was and yeah it's just a really cool story and how uh, in the from a stage booklet like i said i love how it talks about each of the songs like who did it come from is it from oliver's discography or gordon's discography and like what it's about and i, I wish that pretty much all albums were like that because sometimes we get studio albums or like more often than not we get studio albums where if we do get a booklet it won't say what the song what each song is about with the story behind each one it's yeah. at least in my experience and so i love having that context there yeah that's great um so here's an image whoops sorry folks of the the whole package um, you could see each different album sleeve. And like Stephen said, the collection itself has its own cover, which was smart. Um, that was great. And um, if Oliver had a hand in this at all, other than approving, you know, if he had a hand in the design and the look and feel at all, you know, kudos to him. Because this is put together um, 
very well. And here's the the front. Why is it doing that? Here's the the front. Um, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I think he at least had a hand in the sleeve design for Ravens and the Lullabies. That like like definitely like get these folks, and you can like check out how it looks and all the details. Like it's worth getting. Yeah. Um, so beginning with the album he did with Steve Howe, the Three Ages of Magic, I have a bunch of thoughts on this, but what was your overall impression of it? And were there like any standouts for that? Yeah, great questions because um, yes, and, and yes, no pun intended, um, <laughs> in many ways. The opening track, Ages of Magic, just like, if you've ever lived where it's hot, like I'm in Arizona, Steve's in Bakersfield, California. I lived in Vegas for many years. After your car is locked up for a while and you open it up, you get hit with that heat wave. That's what it's like. It just comes right at you. The sounds are beautiful texturally and the mix and the production. I still can't believe that it's 21 years old. Yeah. It, it could, someone could have said this was just recorded and I wouldn't question it. The production right. is that good and that ahead of its time, um, as are just the instrument sounds and everything. So that I always appreciate. I always listen the way it was mastered, the way it was recorded, the way it was engineered. Does it sound boxy? Does it sound I like a big fat open live sound? Um, so that that was my first impression right away in the first few bars of the song. Um, I love Flight of the Condor. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I hope this translates correctly because I mean this. Uh, I mean, this is a compliment, not as a oh, he's a great emulator of his dad. But when I say that if I didn't know better, I would think that's Rick Wakeman. That is not to say at all that Oliver isn't his own musician and doesn't have his own sound as a composer, he absolutely does, but just certain fingering things and the the classic but modernized sounds of the Hammond organ, the Moog synthesizers, it's it's it is next generation Rick. It really is. But his composition skills are great, and what what a real gem the two of these guys together, uh, both Steve Howe and Oliver. Um, another track that i really loved was um the whale's last dance and if you oh yeah really want some contrast right off the bat listen to those three songs first in that order ages of magic flight of the condor and then the whale's last dance and it'll be like oh there's lots of nice uh versatility in here but how about you what was your first impression with that first track and did you I think you're like me. You you listen to everything all the way through. You don't skip through it, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, recently, within the past month or so, there was um, an online friend who made a post and was like, well, what are some albums where you'll skip tracks? And in my head, it's, it's kind of alien to me. Like, I, I guess I'm really focused on what I want to listen to. Like I'm good at choosing what I, I decide to listen to because I know my genre, my preferred type of music. So I'll check out an album and I feel like I need to give it a fair shake and listen to it from beginning to end. If it's something I like, I'm like, okay, even if there are a couple of tracks I don't like as much, then from here on out, I'll still listen to it from beginning to end. And if it's something that I don't like, which rarely happens to me, I'll just not listen to it again so it's like skipping tracks isn't really a thing for me and what i really meant and thanks for that but what i really meant was skipping through them so for example back when i used to buy vinyl and i first got a record i would listen to like right. 20 seconds of one song 20 seconds of the next song i would sample each song first and then listen to the album right yeah that's Something I never really do. I think the closest I came to it was in like the early 2010s. For for example, when Fly From Here was coming out and uh, online, they had like these 30 second samples of each song. And so mm. I 
listen to those samples to get an idea of what the album was going to sound <laughs> Back like. Back in it, my day, we didn't have samples. <laughs> and it really got me hyped. Um, the same with Heaven and Earth, although in that instance, it was more the samples sort of tempered my expectations for that album. So oh, interesting. I, yeah, I knew what to expect, but it wasn't like quite, like I'm sure many can relate. I, I'm kinder to that album than others are, but it did sort of like, I was like, okay, so it's not quite on the level of five from here. Uh, okay, I, I know kind of what to expect. So yeah, with so that's kind of the. And now yeah. I do that. Now I do listen from beginning to end. The last album I sampled, skipping through, was the ABWH CD. After okay. that, I've because the curiosity was just I had to hear a little bit of everything first, you know. Yeah, I think I also did like the online samples thing with some of the solo albums um, mm. when I started exploring them, like in the late two thousands, uh, especially like some John Anderson stuff. Um, cool. But yeah, like uh, it, it's something I don't really do that much, really. So, what um, was your first impression when you heard the first song? My first impression was it starts out sounding very spacey. And that's also the impression that I got with uh, Story of I and like some of John Anderson stuff as well. Yeah, it has like that sort of UFO sounding mm -hmm. thing. Um, but as as that first song progressed, I also got Sir Lancelot and the Black Knight. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah that, I never thought of that, but I totally hear that. Yeah, from, uh, you know, Rick's album. And there are a couple other places that did remind me of Rick. Um, I'm just, like, scrolling through here. Um, well, maybe I'll get to them later, but, like, sticking to the beginning. So um, Mind Over Matter was interesting because you have, like, that voice on the intercom that's like dr kravitz come to the main lobby and it's like oh i wonder what's going on there yeah um a, a couple of uh, you mentioned the whale's last dance that's one of my top favorites on this it's got kind of the meeting vibes on the piano so again mm -hmm. like a little bit of reminiscent of rick but then it becomes more of its own thing and you have the whale sounds which give it a very earthy natural feel um, I forgot to mention in the booklet, there are also like, uh, photos of a few different reviews of this album, oh, yeah. which, and I think on one of the reviews, um, maybe in there or elsewhere that I looked up, someone back then was saying how that song is about, uh, a whale that's been beached and that's like a really sad image, but it's like with the title being what it is, it's like, how can it be anything else? And it's. Like really sad to think about. I, I think when I first listened to it, I was thinking, oh, at the very least, like by the end, it's back in the ocean and it's happy. And I still would prefer to think that. And it's, it's kind of funny. Um, when we had Oliver on our show, he talked about how much he loved Tormato, and this has kind of reminds me of like "Don't Kill the Whale," except it's not punk rock. It's very tonally different but it's like yeah be kind to the whales and whatnot. it's more like my peace waltz of the whales remember that uh was that on places to go things to see it was okay yeah yeah and the storyteller is another top favorite of mine and i like how he also includes a demo of that on this release a dream weaver uh, not to be confused with the popular 70s song i think is when they came yeah. out but um, and yeah, I'm just like scrolling through again. We also have more of that aquatic theme with Ludi and the mermaid. Um, sorry if I'm moving, it's cause there's like a light and I don't want it to be like on my face. No worries. Yeah, if you're listening to audio, you won't notice, but, uh, the, oh, the enchant, the enchanter is another one where oh yeah, I, I feel like it could have been on six wives of Henry the eighth and I wouldn't question it. It's got like the fast paced since. Yeah, uh, but then it kind of takes its own turn. It has like really great drumming, and then becomes really um, sound. It has some sounds that feel like they're of the funk genre. So mm. it's very adventurous going through those different places. Um, I also got a circus of heaven vibe with through the eyes of a child. Oh it, yeah, it kind of took me off guard when you had like the 
old timey feel on the piano, kind of like it's a silent film. And then the adult like walks out of the room, I think, and then the child walks in and I guess tries to play and it talks about like a genie and dinosaurs. And it sounds very real. Like it's, this is what a little child would say, like with all this imagination and um, it's just That's really neat. cool. And my Brie sale has very sailing and piratey yeah. feel to it. And then you get like some really great guitar stuff toward the end. That I like that sounds, one a lot too. Yeah. It sounds like, um, I don't know if it's a mandolin, but it sounds like it could be like for a tango dance or something like Steve has some great stuff for that. Yeah. Um, and of course, Oliver also included, um, hit and myth and the fairy ring. Uh, apparently these were cut from the album originally cause they didn't feel as, hmm. um, like cohesive at like uh, putting different pieces together type of thing, which I excuse me, I was yawning. Sorry, you're not boring me. I just haven't slept in a couple of days. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like I feel like those songs could have been on the original album, but in any case, I like that they're on this release. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. Oh, did you have anything else to say about the yeah. ages of magic? Yeah. Um, I would love for them to do more stuff together. Um, they're like a thing, you know, I think, I think they yeah, just did Steven a Oliver. Totally. Yeah. And as a drummer, I always have to listen for that. And, uh, Dave Wagstaff does a great job on this. Yeah. On the drums. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not knowingly real familiar with his playing or, or anything. Yeah. I'm not familiar with most of the musicians on here, but. Uh, that's the fun of these things. We listen to these albums featuring musicians we're more familiar with, and then we get to look at all these other people on here and see what exactly. they can do. Exactly. Cool. So we'll move on to Ravens and Lullabies with yes. Gordon Giltrap going back to 2013. Yeah. Interestingly, Rick Wakeman had worked with Giltrap prior to this. They did an album called From Brush and Stone. I believe. Oh. So this was... Um, I did not know this. Yeah, so I guess Giltrap was able to perform with a couple different Wakeman men by this point. Um, and this was post-Oliver um, leaving Yes. I mean, we all know how, like, how that went down. It was like really weird how it went down. But yeah, this was uh, after that period and uh, they worked together and uh, apparently the first track that they co-wrote together was the one at the end, which was Ravens Will Fly Away. It's kind of funny how that worked out. Like the last track is the first one they co-write. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, what were your impressions with this one? This also, and my dog's about to go off. Come on, Sash. This also is very eclectic and it's not all one thing which i which i really appreciate and if i may just for a moment include the next cd which is from a stage yeah it, there is some overlap with the track so might as well yeah okay cool because it, it really shows the the breadth of the different genres they cover and the spectrum within the genres um when we get to from a stage we'll play a lot of that clip um, that we opened with because the, the drumming is awesome. The drumming is great. And I, and I don't know who that is. There's no credits in the video and I didn't have time to look up to see who it might've been. I have no idea. Um, but it's great. Um, I do love that, uh, Benoit David is on this. That's really cool. Nice, yeah. nice of him to be able to be included and to go ahead and follow through and Steve and I don't talk about all this stuff much before we actually do the show. But one thing he did mention was how well he thought Benoit did. And I, I agree. He really shines there. Yeah, it, it's the song uh, from the turn of a card, which also ended up on from a page. But the difference is on the yes version, it's more stripped down. So that's a duet between Benoit and Oliver. Right. Whereas on this version on Ravens and Lullabies, you get more instrumentation. Like you even get like some uh, drumming or I guess percussion. I don't know what the proper term is, but percussion. Um, yeah. yeah. It and 
I'm not sure which one I for sure prefer. It, it might be the from a page one just because I'm more familiar with it, but I it, it struck me how like the song fits seamlessly on either album, like on the Yes album and on this uh, album with Gordon Gilchrap. Like it doesn't feel out of place at right. all the way it's incorporated on either one. I agree. It doesn't seem to be overly influenced or influenced at all by where it ended up. Right. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at my notes for Ravens and Lullabies. Like the opening track is... I was going to mention that. Um, yeah, because we saw the video of that a while ago. And yeah. Um, it, all, funny enough, like today, the Yes Official Facebook page actually shared the like the teaser trailer thing for collaborations from a couple months ago. And so that was like really funny timing, it, it, even to a point where it made me think, huh, I wonder if someone over there listens to Yes Shift and knew that we were going to talk about this Yeah, because we promoted it. We tagged the page a lot, so they may be peaking from time to time. But if you look at or listen to uh, manufacturing and then listen to some of the much more uh, mellow and almost baroque renaissance influenced music with Oliver and Gordon. It's like, wow, it's it just in yes fashion, two completely different bands within the same artists. You know, if you look at Sound Chaser and Turn of the Century or Wondrous Stories and Siberian Katru or, you know, uh, a anything else for that matter that rocks out. Um, I, I love that about this, that it's not one thing. There's nothing on here of the three CDs that are all kind of one sound or, or one thing or one style, which is great. So when you get this, folks, and you will, um, across the three CDs, you're, you're not just getting a lot of music in quantity. You're getting a lot of music in, in volume, not audio loudness-wise, but, well, you can but volume as in so many different flavors and colors of music between these projects. And it's great. Yeah. And just real quick, uh, Chip Ritter says hello from Tucson. Chip! On the Drum Talk TV broadcast. Awesome. Chip, Chip's an awesome guy. Awesome drummer. Awesome juggler while he's drumming. What? <laughs> he's got yeah. a cool lime colored kit. By trick yeah chip's a solid guy thanks chip for following yeah but you, you make a good point on manufacturing like to me it's very much the going for the one effect you begin with a very the commercially rocky, yeah it's very rocky and then you go into like turn of a century which is very just it's so different and just a different feel like yeah. you kind of got that going on like right after this we get uh, is, is turn smile. of the century and and their song that's akin with that is turning the century a opera without the fat lady basically. Oh my gosh! I mean, if well, I, you know what I mean. The yeah, singing, it's 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 such a the way the story unfolds and the music, you can't really assign it to a time period. Right. Well. In my head, I do imagine it being like an older time yeah. period, like maybe the Renaissance or Yeah, yeah. Like. Okay, but and that's fair because that's, I guess, what I really meant was that it's it's not from now. So, and and this has elements of that as well, this album. Right, yeah. Like, Turn of the Century does sound like, you know, it's a tragedy. So I could imagine, like, it could be used for an opera. And, yeah. And there are tracks on here that feel like they could have been from a long time ago like not in a way where the like the production sounds dated like it doesn't sound dated at all but it sounds more like an homage to that type of stuff you know some things sound very like you can imagine like medieval minstrels playing yeah. bits of these yeah um and, and they also dedicate uh, certain songs to people like ljw was for oliver's wife uh, one for Billy was for Gordon's wife, Hillary. And there's, um, which song was it? Um, from, there, there was one song where it was dedicated to an artist named Peter Pritchard. Um, 
hmm. trying to see like where it is. I just control F that real quick. No worries. Okay, wherever there was beauty. I, okay, because it was only on from a stage. I wasn't sure if there's a studio version as well, but yeah. So it, it's nice that they have these songs that they uh, dedicate to certain people or like they had people inspire them to do. Um, uh, my two favorites or I guess top three favorites on Ravens and Lullabies. Uh, we already mentioned um, Ravens will fly away, which I think is a great ending to the thing. But of course, it's before these bonus tracks. But the other two, I would say, are maybe tomorrow, which some of the synth on there um, feels very tales like. Uh, but overall, the idea of the song is it is very much about a falling out with a friend and many of us have been in that position before where we're like we don't know if things will change but maybe tomorrow it could be different and we could be friends again it's that uncertainty of it all and it's just it just sounds so sublime that song and then the other favorite is um anyone can fly it's just very optimistic and it's like some of these other songs, it does feel like it could be sung as a lullaby, not not in a way where it's like, I don't mean that it'll put people to sleep. I mean, that it's like sweet dreams fuel, oh, like yeah. something nice to listen to that might put more positive thoughts into your head. And Uplifting. Just, yeah, that whole thing that anyone can fly. And I really love how uh, some of the sounds on there go like, do, 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 do. Like, I'm, I'm just down with it I, I love it um yeah I, I have like a few other things to say but did you have anything else just so i'm not like hawking the whole thing yeah my, and that's all right my <laughs> uh i see now you got me kind of i like anyone can fly a lot um i do agree with ravens will fly away is a great way to end it. I do like the opening track, Money Factoring, because it was not what I expected. Um, and it's kind of commercially, if you will. Um, but I love Credit Carnival. So let's play that song we have. Let them watch some of that. The personnel on the album, I don't know how much of that is in the video because I'm just not familiar with these other people. I don't know if this is Johan James on drums. I have no idea. But it's Johan James on drums and percussion and his backup band. Steve Amadeo on bass guitar, Benoit David on vocals, Paul Manzi on vocals, Gordon Giltrap on acoustic and electric guitars, and of course, Oliver Wakeman on piano, keyboards, yeah. and backing vocals too, which is cool. Let's yeah, it's a check. Rhythm's a lullaby credit. Yeah, let's, it did a great job too. Let's check this out. Hey, 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 let's start from the
that's all you get, folks. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not sure if you read this bit, but Credit Carnival was originally written for Yes. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, during uh, his time with the band, uh, it was inspired by when they went to a casino to perform, I guess. And so that whole vibe of the casino sort of inspired Credit Carnival. And apparently there wasn't much work done with it for Yes. Like Oliver talks about uh, at some point how there were some lyrics and like just a bit from Steve. And I don't know if there's like a recording of that anywhere, but um, it's hard for me to imagine this song yesified i don't know if you have that uh issue as well but i'd have to think it through and listen to it but when i think of um new state of mind from open your eyes i think anything is possible you know (laughs) but i did look up that is johan james on drums i looked him up and he um has been with a band called threshold since the year 2000, he joined the band officially, replacing Marquini in 2001 to record the album uh, Hypothetical, which occurred after having toured with the band to support the album's Extinct Instinct and Clone. So he's done those three albums uh, with them. So I, I, I think I want to learn more. Stop that. I want to. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Learn more about him and have him on Drum Talk TV and a left-handed drummer to boot. Um, really good, like right away with that opening feel. And just the tightness and and uh, how in sync he is. Great job, Johan. Honest, honestly, that was really cool. Um, yeah, and um, uh, sorry, I was just about yeah. to say, and I, I did some digging um, regarding the bonus tracks for Ravens and Lullabies. Apparently... A while ago, on a previous release of the album, the bonus uh, disc was kind of different. Like, it had a couple more tracks. I assume that some of the tracks that ended up on here uh, were moved to From a Stage because they're live, and we have, like, a couple of them on Ravens and Lullabies here. But the ones I notice are missing, uh, according to this list, are a couple live tracks called Progress of the Soul, which is an Oliver Wakeman song. And on Camber's Sands, which is a Gordon Giltrap song. So I'm wondering if there was a reason they're not on this box set release. Like maybe they were put on something else that's been released recently. Like, I I don't know. Yeah, I would Um, hate. I don't think this is the case, but I would hate to hear that it had to do with publishing and it not being released to them to use on this or something. I hate that shit. Like licensing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But a lot of people also don't know that the instrumental... The Wedding Approaches, this is why Tormato is his favorite Yes album, because that song, he wrote that when he was six, and it was almost on Tormato. Wait, what? Just just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song, though. I like that. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I guess we could get into... The live? Yeah, from a stage. Um, so go ahead and... Um, well, and we should say that um, Paul Manzi sings some of the songs on this. Uh, I, I especially loved how passionate he sounded on the song. Um, I yeah, think it's and- called If You're Leaving. Like just how, yeah, he, he's like really passionate sounding on If You're Leaving and just that whole thing of like, if you're going to leave now, do it quickly because I can't take this no more. It's just so raw and real, you know. The lyrics um, are good, too. But yeah, what are your overall thoughts on the live material here? Well, I love it. And if you don't mind, um, while I'm talking about it, drop in the link to this video, uh, Gordon Giltrap and Oliver Wakeman live at Huntingdon Hall. Yeah, um, It's on Oliver's official YouTube channel. And I don't think it's an officially released recording, but we played it safe, so we're not going to broadcast it so it doesn't get muted. But it is beautiful and when you think of credit carnival and then you watch just the two of them doing some of this stuff it's it's again the the versatility i always appreciate versatility in musicians and this is just a great really wide spectrum i think it's cool uh picture of a lady i love that dodo's dream um the only time i can remember reading and seeing and hearing dodo in a Another song happened to be 
the Genesis song, Dodo. <laughs> like <laughs> that's one of those rare go figure. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I said go figure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Glimmer of light. There, there's some really beautiful stuff on here, um, and contrasting music as we mentioned between these two albums. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? Oh, oh, sorry. And it's it's nice to see them reproduce the stuff live, and that it's not just dance, get together, make an album, and then move on. You know, my yeah. God, I'd love to see him and Steve Howe do that with all that material. Yeah, I love how this is a good mix of. You know, not just Ravens and Lullabies, but also you got a couple tracks from uh, Three Ages of Magic. I think at least a couple tracks, but you also got yeah. stuff from Oliver's solo discography. Uh, so, so like apart from Three Ages of Magic and Gordon's own discography. Um, and Gordon Gilchrap has been releasing stuff for a long time. He's been active since like the late... 1960s and to be honest i wasn't aware of him before me neither lear learning of his work with oliver wakeman so yeah. it's like there's like this whole other dimension that i need to get into now because like it's called uh, a parallel universe <laughs> and the fact that he had worked with rick like i had never heard of him had no idea yeah so it's like i gotta check out more of him because i love what he plays on here he has such great guitar stuff and um, there's like one of these songs where they use um, one of those loop things and you can hear him saying, uh, with the loop machine, I will sound like a one man Pink Floyd. Uh, this is on uh, Dota's Dream, actually, um, which that song kind of has awakened vibes. In oh, head. yeah. Yeah. Like the beginning made me think of Pink Floyd a little bit. I don't know if it was because he said it, but as it kept going, I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Awaken a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I was I was looking over here because I have that video that Steve dropped the link in, and there's no track listing, which I, I wish there was. Um, well, let me... Yeah, this isn't official. We should have flown some of it in. But folks, check it out. Not now, after the interview. Um, and Steve, when people get the audio version of this on our anchor.fm slash yesshift channel, you like that plug? Does it do are are you able to put accompanying links like this in there? Yeah, I do that uh, okay. literally every time. <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't listen to our audio version. I right, see yeah. the, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I should also mention that uh, at the beginning of From a Stage, the person who's introducing uh, Oliver and Gordon is Stephen Lamb himself, who we interviewed oh. on the, you know, author of Yes in the 1980s. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's part of that um, classic rock society, which that show was right. uh, related. Yeah. So if... Steve Howe and Oliver toured that album, even like in the future, even if if there was such a thing called Yes, featuring John Anderson, Trevor Rabin, and Rick Wakeman, could they call themselves Yes, featuring Steve Howe and Oliver Wakeman? They were both in Yes. Uh, you're you're like opening a can of worms there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, because I know that Steve co-owns the trademark, so. But so allow me to take a, it one that's step. A that's a thing, though. I don't know if he would do it, though. Right, right. You know what? He probably wouldn't. And I would respect the reasons that I am making up in my head that are probably the reasons why. But let me ask this real quick. If he, If they did that, what two or three yes songs do you think they could play that would be a fit with that album? Ooh, that's a good question. I think one of them would have to be something that Oliver recorded with them. At least right. one of them would have to be. Yeah. Maybe his original version of Fly From Here or, you know, one, one, one of those from that album. Right, because he's only on a couple of tracks there. He's on Into the Storm, Hour of Need, and I think on the, like, We Can Fly From Here parts, he's doing background keyboards. Um, but in terms of, like, what would fit with the Three Ages of Magic material, 
maybe Hour of Need would fit. Um, if it's something from, from a page, I think the best fit would be Words on a Page. Like, it's very mellow and has amazing guitar stuff, but it, like, I could see them doing that instrumentally, but I would also love for someone to be singing on it, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I know that Benoit is retired, so I guess he wouldn't be able to do it. So maybe they'd have John Davison guest or something like, I, I don't know, maybe it could work instrumentally. And I just can't imagine it without the words, because I just love it with the words, you know? Yeah. Um. It'd be interesting to get Trevor Horn to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's funny that you mentioned the whole yes name thing, because something that uh, Jeffrey Mason uh, pointed out, like, within the past day or so, was that a couple of the venues, like, two of the venues um, on the current Yes Tour are saying that they're playing all of Relayer, because, you know, that was what they were originally going to do before changing Close to the Edge. And not only that, but one of those two venues put out a video as like a promo, like, you know, buy tickets for this. Don't say what you're going to say. It it said they're playing all of Relayer, but also the footage was Was of ARW playing playing owner of a lonely heart. Oh my God. How out of it can they be? Seriously? Uh, Yeah, I was cringing. It was just like, yikes. What kind of (laughs) shit do you think they caught from Yes Tour Management? They must have ripped them new ones and maybe said they'd never play that venue. That is just so irresponsible. Don't right. they like receive the <laughs> materials from the band? But no, they could just take it upon themselves. Yeah, like and, did they did they not get the revised memo or at least know who would be playing? Like show, show a that? video of yes featuring Peter Banks and Francis Monkman or something. I mean, <laughs> that's just so out of line. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, just now Brian Cahoon said, "Good evening, gentlemen." Good evening, Brian Cahoon. Thanks for tuning in. Right, but um, uh, I have like something else um, tangentially yes-related I'll bring up, but is there anything else you want to say about From a Stage? I'd like to hear a single of words from a page from a stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, I just... Between the two... I like that one best. And and one of the reasons is because I just love live music. And I I love that this video made me really fall in love with it even more. So that's that's my yeah. three cents on it. But it's all great. It's all great stuff. Yeah. And again, it's very eclectic. There's even like a bit on Roots that reminds me of world music. And yeah, of course, for sure. From Gordon's discography. And yeah. apparently Heart Song has been... Uh, you know, that's one of his songs. And it's been used for like this holiday program for like British TV. So oh. there you go. Um, but yeah, the so that's uh, collaborations. It's a real great box set. Uh, Oliver uh, was saying, I hope you enjoy it. And I think it's clear that we did. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and here it is again, that. folks, in case you missed it. Wonderful packaging, just a wonderful collection of music. Um, definitely, if you're a fan at all of any of these artists, go ahead and get it. It'll be well worth it. And it's it's great as a package. I Like I said, I still have all three CDs in my truck. Yeah. So before we wrap up on uh, Oliver, uh, just the quick thing I want to mention was the other day I saw this article from Far Out Magazine where it was like, um, it was about Getty Lee. And it said the songs that shaped Getty Lee's bass playing and there were two Yes songs and a Bill Bruford song listed on there. So I don't know if you want to take a yeah. guess. Or... Uh, so the what is the Bill Bruford song? Joe Frazier. Oh, that's interesting. So I did not see this article. Let me think of... I know that Chris was one of his biggest influences, if not mm-hmm. his biggest. So um, is Sound Chaser one of them? No. The Revealing Science of God? Nope. America? No. <laughs> All good people? No. The Clap? No. <laughs> Roundabout? 
No. Tell me what album it's from or lineup. At least with the lineup, you get two albums. One of them well, is from. One of them is from Fragile. Oh, um, Heart of the Sunrise. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes sense. Other, yeah, and the other is from Time and a Word. Uh, I'm not really great with that track list. <laughs> oh, I think it's Time and a Word. No. Oh, because I remember Getty in an article or interview talking about that specifically, that that's what first got him hooked on Yes was the baseline in Time of a Word. That's why I thought oh, of it. Oh, interesting. That. Yeah. So what is it then? No opportunity necessary, oh. no experience needed. Duh. Yeah, that, that is a tough one, though. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, um, yeah it, it's just nice to see that on his list. And, of course, this came out around the anniversary of Chris's passing, and there were nice tributes posted by fans. And, of course, we miss him very much, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing but, he also had one or two Who songs on there. Uh, yeah, there's, I see at least one of them right now. And I'm going to guess a cream song, Jack Bruce. Uh, okay. There are two who songs and there is one cream song. Okay. One, one cream song and two, um, who songs. Yeah. Okay. So the cream song I'm going to guess is a uh, crossroads. Yeah. Okay. And the, the who song is um yeah there are two of them it's escaping me one of them is the woman's name um no is it super obvious like we won't get fooled again no no it, there is an obvious one i think it, yeah and it's on their uh oh i have it here but i won't cheat <laughs> it's on that album they did what is it i can't remember uh so one of them is my generation and the other is the real me oh um, yeah yeah and i look at brian cahoon's comments i see that uh he also read that about getty uh what you said earlier oh cool and he also guessed crossroads for cream uh, he also guessed SWBLR at some point. I'm not really sure what S, that is. Um, I think it's an acronym. SWBLR. Yeah. I'm not so good with that at the moment. So I don't know what he's referring to. I don't know. Let us know, Brian. Now I'm curious. Um, yeah. I One last little note on that. When they recorded that album, what was that album called? That extra in-between album with their influences, The Cream and The Who, and what was Oh, that? yeah, that was, um, it was something weird. Like, feedback, that's yeah, what it was. feedback, feedback. When they recorded that, they wanted to totally get in the mood, so they laid out a bunch of, like, Persian rugs, and they had a bunch of lava lamps and incense yeah. and totally, totally 60s out, or who knows what else. Yeah, but, that's a Rush album I always forget exists. <laughs> yeah, and there's a couple live tracks on the from the um either was it the Snakes and Arrows album live version of that? I th Maybe. I think I I get the time context mixed, but yeah, there's a couple Crossroads and um um another Who song. I can hear it in my head. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna look up the summertime track. blues. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's so good too. It is so good. Okay, yeah, the seeker and yeah, all oh, the yeah. seekers great on there. Right, but anyway, all that's to. I guess I'll bring us back on track. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, again, check out Oliver Wakeman's collaborations box set and his. We should talk about that. Feature it on an episode. Yeah, <laughs> and check out uh, more of his solo stuff as well. I saw that the other day. Um, he made this post where he said, going to start on the arrangement work for the new album today, starting to put together a collection of nice musicians for it, more news to follow as it develops. So we know that he's working on a on a new solo album, and I think I heard somewhere that he's working on something with Celtic music. So those might be oh. two separate things, but... 
in any case, really excited for those. And I'm pretty sure that this next solo album would be his first one since the time he first joined Yes, which is weird to think about. How long ago was that? 10, 12 uh, years ago? Yeah, he was with them 2008 to 2011. Wow. Yeah, huh. so I guess that would end up being part of our series where we talk about first uh, solo albums Yes members made after That's the right. Band. That's right. We'll have to have him on for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he but, was a great interview. He was a great guest. Yeah, I'll go ahead and link the interview we did to him uh, after this. But Okay. Yeah, and uh, lots of stuff to look forward to. Like we said, the solo album series we've been doing, we're planning on doing the Elias of Sun Hillow episode on July 5th at, I believe it's 5.30 p.m. Pacific, tentatively. Um, it is. You're yeah. correct. 5.30 Pacific U.S., 8.30 Eastern U.S., and a big show on the 11th, our yeah. one-year anniversary. Yeah, am I allowed to say uh, what we talked about, what we're going to do for that? Sure, because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You could squeak a little bit of it out. Um... Can you give an abridged uh, version or you want to just barf it all out? Either way is right. fine with me. All right. So it's going to commemorate two things. And for that reason, we're titling it Going for the One Year Anniversary. So there's your yeah, hint. I, yeah. I think you can gather from that, like yeah. what we're going to do. But yeah, cool stuff. And feel free to send in uh, some thoughts on the show, uh, maybe what your favorite episodes are. If you'd like, you can email. Yes, shift podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I almost said the email for my other podcast by accident. Um, and you can listen to us uh, like on pretty much various podcast apps. Um, I know there's a weird thing on Anchor, Val's pointed out to me, where if you use the Anchor mobile app, it'll only show up to the like the episodes up to December. I think that was before I started uploading the video files. But if you go to Anchor on desktop or in a web browser on your phone, you'll see every episode. So like 50. I don't know, like, this is episode 50 plus the news desk episodes, which means I I don't have the folder in front of me, but I'm going to guess we've done at least 10 news desks. So we, we probably yeah, have done 60 like or yeah, 60 to 65 episodes. It's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Wow. How do we get any other work done or do we? Yeah. Oh, Brian uh, says the abbreviation was for She Walks Like a Bearded Rainbow. Oh, I never would have guessed that. Right. Okay. But, thanks. <laughs> right. But yeah, I think that's pretty much um, all the plugs. Um, you, you can also check out the Yes Shift YouTube channel where we upload the video after the fact or keep following the Facebook page where we go live and uh, we also post some links to articles that we see regarding Yes and Yes members. And so, they can buy me a new candle or buy you <laughs> near earbuds, right? Right, yeah, they can support us by uh, leaving us a little something at anchor.fm slash yesshift and clicking on the support button. So, yeah, uh, I think that'll do it. Uh, really glad to have finally be able to review this box set. It's really great. Go out and buy it. Absolutely. We'll close with more of Credit Carnival. Don't know.